0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. All right, if you got your Bible, go to John chapter 2. We're starting a series today called Unto Us, and we're going to be focusing for the next several weeks on Jesus, which is a good thing to do if you're a church, uh, but specifically I think this time of the year, it's easy to get focused on a lot of other stuff. You know, we get caught up in the wrappings of Christmas, and sometimes we forget about what Christmas is all about, but Christmas is about Jesus, and the greatest gift that we have, and the reason we give gifts to each other is because Jesus came that first Christmas, and He was this perfect gift. And when the the prophets in Isaiah were talking about and prophesying about the coming Messiah, they said, unto us a child will be born, unto us a son will be given. And listen to this next line. And the government will be on his shoulders. That's good news. The government's on Jesus, just so you know. Just, you hear me? Okay, because I want you to hear me. Like, no matter who's elected, no matter who's in office, Jesus is in office, just so you know. God's in control, and he's going to take care of his people. The government will be on his shoulders. And, and it goes on to say, and his name will be called. This is what he'll be known for. Wonderful. And, and a lot of times when people read this or, or quote this, you kind of hear it like he's a wonderful counselor. But it's not he's a wonderful counselor. He's wonderful, comma. Like that's, that's the first one. He's, he's just wonderful, God wants to be wonderful in your life. Jesus wants to be wonderful in your life. And he wants to be a counselor. He wants to counsel you and direct you and lead you in life. He wants to be a mighty God. He wants to be powerful in your life to help you overcome and and, and walk in the victory that he's called you to. He he wants to be an everlasting father, meaning he wants to have a real relationship with you, love you like a father loves you, And, and, and that kind of love, it lasts forever. It doesn't matter if you mess up doesn't matter if you screw up. He's still going to love you no matter what because he is an everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. He wants to bring peace in your life. How many of you are down for some peace? Jesus is the prince of peace. He wants to bring peace into your life. I want you to know when Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago, the game changed forever. And he made a way so we can connect with God. Act like that's exciting to you right now by saying amen. 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 So Jesus did this. And I want you to also know that when he did it, it was unto us. You're an us. Did you know that? Yep. Look at the person beside you and say, you're an us? Be careful how you say that. You got the wrong accent. That could come out wrong. But what I want you to see is that Jesus made it personal. It's unto us. It's, unto, it's for you. It wasn't just for the people in Bible times. It's for you today. And so we're going to look at that today. John chapter 2. Uh, Jesus performs his first miracle, and if you know the story, he turns water into wine. And so Jesus is at this wedding, and he's there with his, some members of his family and some of his disciples, and this kind of taboo thing happens. They run out of wine. And Mary, who's Jesus' mother, comes up to him, and she says, we're, we're out of wine. I want you to do something about it. And Jesus looks at her, and he says, what does this have to do with me, woman? My time has not come yet. And it's interesting because if you read the Bible, the next thing that happens is Mary, there's no, like, there's no exchange between her and Jesus. She just looks at the, at the people around her and she says, do whatever he tells you to do. So there's nothing said there, but I believe there was a look. <laughs> you ever had a, a strong woman in your life? Maybe it's your mom, your grandma, maybe it's your wife, and she asks you to do something and you're like, what does this have to do with me? And then she gives you a look and it's like, I'll get right on it. (laughs) That's kind of what happens with Jesus, because the next thing is he turns the water into wine. So anyways. (laughs) And it's interesting, though, because after this, I want you to look at this with me. John 2, verse 9. It says this, "'The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine.'" So this is kind of the guy that's the head of the party. "'He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew.'" Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper one after the guests have had too much to drink. Now, look at what he says next here. Pay close attention to this. But you have saved the best till now. you saved the best till now. Now, the way that he's processing what has just taken place is he doesn't know about the miracle, so he thinks that this wine, which is the best wine that he's tasted all day, was saved because maybe they wanted to end on a high note like they wanted to bring out the best last, and kind of end, you know, strong. And and you know, it's Christmas, and we do this at Christmas time. Uh, I remember last year we got our kids several gifts, and one of the the big gift we got for them was we re- 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 redid this room upstairs that we turned into a playroom for them. And so we got some little couches, and I painted it, and and uh, we we put an air hockey table in there and made it kind of a really neat room for them. And in order to do all this and surprise them with it, uh, Sarah Sarah lied. We had to put this curtain up over the door, and Sarah told them that a window had broken in that room, so they wouldn't go in there for like three weeks. But you know, we, a lot of us like Christmas time, don't we? Telling, some of you telling your kids that Santa's real. By the way, if you're in here right now, and I just burst your bubble, that's why we have children's ministry. Put your kids in kids' ministry. Sorry about that. You can email me at joshromano at <laughs> but we, But at the end of Christmas, uh, after they thought all the gifts were done, we said, hey, let's go upstairs. I think there's one more thing upstairs. And so we brought them up there, and oh, they were so excited, and they played their air hockey table that day, and then I don't think they touched it again. But, <laughs> but anyways, we saved the best for last, and we, we do that a lot. And I think that sometimes as Christians, that's kind of how we process God. Like God is saving the best for last. Now someday, and and I could all, you could almost argue that it's true because someday, when this life is over, we're going to die, or, we're, or Jesus is going to come back, and we're going to go to heaven, and heaven is a better place than this. Yep. It's going to be perfect. No 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 fear, no pain, no frustration. You're going to have your glorified body. You know that's going to be cool. Yep. Amen to that. <laughs> uh, and so you could kind of look at it and say, well, yeah, God's saving that till last, and the best is. Nice. But, but remember what Jesus said, remember when he was teaching his disciples how to pray, what did he say? He said, he said pray this way, uh, that the will, the will of God, he said, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's right, yes. so he said, that's, that's the will of God you're supposed to be praying for, which means that we're to pray that what we'll experience in, in heaven is what we're going to experience here on earth. So, so here's what that tells me. That tells me that God is not saving the best for last, that the best is for now, Listen, Jesus is not a best-for-last God. He is a best-for-now God. And, and I think even right now in you know, the year we find ourselves in, how many you know 2020 was an interesting year? Um, some of you may be looking at this year going, this has not been the best year. In fact, I remember even as early as summer, people were saying, can we just get this over with? Like, can we hit the reset button? Who opened the Jumanji game on 2020? <laughs> And and even now, we're in December, and you're just kind of like, okay, it's almost over. 2020 is almost over. We can, you know, move into 2021. January is about to hit, and then everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to get better. We can put this behind us and kind of move on. But I, I want you to know the answer to your problems is not January. The answer to your problems is Jesus. And Jesus is not waiting on January to move. I want you to know, like, Jesus is not, while well, all this stuff's been going on this year, Jesus wasn't up in heaven going, man, I did not see this coming. <laughs> well, thank God, I mean, thank me, this is almost <laughs> over, because then I can start to move in people's lives again, I can start to help people. You know, January's almost here, and then, then I'll start doing something about it. No, no, Jesus isn't waiting on January. So listen, why are you? <laughs> I believe God wants to show up, now he wants to bless you now he wants to heal you now he wants to to take care of you now he wants to restore you now he wants to bring redemption into your life now breakthroughs can all happen now lives can be restored now god's not waiting on january so we need to stop waiting on january God wants to move and do something incredible in your life. Jesus is not a someday God. Jesus is a now God. In fact, remember when when the the angels showed up for the, the shepherds? They're watching their flock at night. They're in the middle of this dark place. If you know anything about what was going on that day, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But they're in this dark place watching these sheep, kind of alone. They're kind of the forgotten people. And the angels show up. And they show up in such a powerful way that these guys, it says they were terrified. Look at what it says here. Luke 2 verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 9, it says an angel of the Lord appeared to them, to the, to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news, they got good news that they're bringing, that will cause great joy for all people. I want you guys to say this next word with me, all right, say it one, two, three, Today. Okay, that was kind of pathetic. Let's try to get Ready? One, two, three. Today, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Messiah means he's the promised deliverer. A Savior has been born. A deliverer has been born. He is the Christ, the Lord. When they showed up, they showed up with good news of great joy, which was for everyone. It wasn't just for that group of people. It wasn't just for those shepherds. It was for you. It was unto us that this child was born. Jesus came to save the day, and he is still at work today, and he wants to work in your life today. Can I get an amen? Amen. So he was born for you and I, and because of what he did, because he was willing to die on the cross, he made a way so that now we can experience what he wants for us to experience today. The work that was needed to put us into a position where we could connect with God and experience heaven on earth has already been accomplished through Jesus Christ. And so what restrains us from that is us. It's not the devil, it's us. And so I wanna help you to understand the power of now. Turn the person beside you and say, there is power available now. There's power available now. God's power is available to you now. So I wanna wanna show you three things today that'll help you experience the power of God that's available now today, today. So we're gonna talk about your past, your present, and your future, all right? So here's the first thing. Number one, you need to understand the role of the past. You know, the past has a role in your life, and, and a lot of times where people mess up when it comes to the now that God wants and the future that God wants is they don't understand the role of the past and so the past becomes something that it shouldn't be in our life. Uh, my, at our house right now, we live on about three acres of land that that I mow, and I've got this John Deere mower that I mow my my yard with. And I've been teaching my son this year how to how to drive this mower and mow the grass. And the first time I put him out there, he was just excited to be driving a tractor, and so there was like no order to what he to how he drove it. He was just out there driving something, and uh, and so I had to come out and be like, "Hey, dude, you got to have some order to this. Like, there's got to be you can't just." drive it anywhere because then you'll miss stuff and you'll have to come back and it'll take you a lot longer. So I started to train him in how to mow and it's a beautiful, it's a, it's a frustrating thing at the beginning, but there's coming a day, it's going to be amazing when I'm just going to go, Gus, go mow. <laughs> and he'll say, yes, sir. <laughs> mm, it's going to be so good. But, <laughs> but the training sometimes is harder. Sometimes when you're training a kid, you know, it's easier to just be like, okay, just get out. Let me do it myself. But if you do that, they never get to where you can sit there on the couch watching TV while they mow. (laughs) So we're working through that. We're working through it. But I was teaching him, like, you got to have order to this. And what you want to do is you want to, you know, create, like, where, the area that you're mowing, you want to kind of create some, some order to it. And so, you, you, in our yard, you're going to mow a big circle, and then you're going to make that circle smaller and smaller. In order to do that, you've got to, you've got to put your outside tire on the part that's been mowed, and then you mow... And you stay focused. You gotta look at that line and stay focused on that line that you're cutting. And, and from time to time, not a, a ton, but every once in a while you're gonna look back to make sure it's still cutting. And, and every once in a while you're gonna look ahead because you need to make sure you're not about to run into mom's car or run into a brick wall or run into you know plot out your course. But mainly when you're mowing, you've got to be focused on what's going on right now. And Jesus gave us a very similar analogy to this in Luke chapter 9, verse 62 talking about how we deal with the past. He said this. He said, anyone who wants to put a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Here's what he's saying. My, my dad grew up on a farm, so he taught me a little bit about plowing a field one day. He said, if you're plowing a field, you can't just focus on what's behind you. If you look back all the time, your lines are gonna get off and the harvest is gonna suffer. You gotta stay focused on, on where you're at and where you're going. In the same way, listen, Your past is important, and every once in a while you can glance back at it and you can learn from the lessons of your past. But if you're focusing and fixating on the failures, let me just tell you, things are going to get off. There's going to be stuff that you missed, and the harvest that God has for you is going to suffer. You can linger on the lessons of the past, and that's important. Listen, we all make mistakes in our past. And sometimes you need to look back at your past and remember the mistakes that you've made and learn, learn, by all means, learn some lessons from your mistakes. But if you just sit and live in your mistakes and just you're, dry, you're going through life like this the whole time, let me just tell you, you're never gonna accomplish what God's called you to accomplish. You have to understand the role that the past plays in your life. Learn from those lessons, but don't, don't linger, linger on them, but don't fixate yourself on them. So often we do that though. Because let's be real, so, so often we make big mistakes. And it's easy to kind of live there. It's easy to kind of build a camp there and focus on that. And, and, and we allow that to steal the future that God wants us to experience with him. But, but you can't do that. Re- recognize this. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, the Bible tells us that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your past does not define you. The cross of Jesus Christ defines you. And what it defines you as is forgiven. It defines you as a son of God, a child of God. The old things have been washed away. Behold, all things have become new. You've been made new in Christ Jesus. And so if you recognize that, you can learn from those lessons, but you can stay focused on where God has you right now, and you can step into what we talk about here all all the time here at New Song Church, which is your best days are your next days. Because you can leverage what God's doing today, focused on what he wants to do in the future, and you can walk right into that in faith with Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. you got to understand the role of the past. Look at this. Isaiah 43, verse 18. It says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Say these next four words with me. Now it springs forth. When does it spring forth? Now. now. God wants to do this Now. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers and the desert. In other words, I'll make a way when it seems impossible, yeah. when it doesn't make any sense, when the world's saying that there's a pandemic, I'll still make a way. That's Jesus Christ. That's your Savior. That's your Messiah. That's the one who's for you and not against you. So, so don't, don't stay focused on your past. You know what? If you want to look at the past, here's something to look at look at the faithfulness of God in the past. Like like Josh Romano was leading us in this morning. Uh, we were talking about this at Thanksgiving this year. My mom was talking about how sometimes, you know, when she's having a rough day, she said she'll just start to count the blessings of God in her life. From the time she got saved till today, she'll just start going through and just start thanking God and praising Him for all of the times that He's shown up and blessed her in life. And she's like, it doesn't take me but a few minutes and I am over whatever kind of funk I may have found myself in before. So if you want to focus on the past, focus on the faithfulness of God in the past. Amen? Here's number two. If you're going to step into the future and harness the power of God in the now, number two, remove faith blockers. Remove faith blockers. And specifically, there's things that can be going on in our life sometimes specific to relationships that can sometimes keep us from experiencing the now blessings of God and the future blessings of God. There's a story in the Bible in mark chapter 5 this guy comes up to jesus his name is Jairus and his daughter has died and he comes up to jesus and he has a major problem i mean your your child his child is dead but he comes up to jesus and he's full of faith he says to jesus jesus if you would come to my house and just lay your hands on her i know that she will be restored to life again and so guess what jesus is moved by this faith and so he begins to move towards Jairus' house. Now, on their way there, some people who were at Jairus' house come out. It says this in uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 35. It says, people from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, came out. And they said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? I want you to notice that these people did not have faith in Jesus jairus had faith in jesus he had faith in jesus's ability to move in the midst of impossible circumstances your child is dead is an impossible circumstance but but jairus's faith was not in the circumstance it was in jesus's ability to perform a miracle in spite of the circumstance and so that's where jairus is jairus knows his daughter's dead so these people coming out with this information this is not new information but here's what they're doing. They have no faith in Jesus. They, they have, their faith is in the circumstances. And so they're coming out saying, what are you doing? This is a waste of your time. Why are you bringing this guy? They have no faith in Jesus to move in the middle of this. Now look at Jesus. Look at what he says. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Some of you need to highlight that verse because Jesus is saying that to you today about the circumstances of the world you find yourself in. Don't be afraid, just believe. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't listen to the, the, the crud that these people are trying to tell you. Remember how you came to me. Remember when you came to me in faith knowing that I could take care of you. Stay there and let's move ahead and do what we're gonna do. You guys are not as excited as you should be about this. (laughs) Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, that's Jairus, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. Look at this, but they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. Again, they have no faith in his ability to overcome these circumstances. So look at what Jesus does. After he put them all out, Jesus is cool. He comes into this environment that lacks faith, and he says, all right, get out. You guys get out of the room. He kicked them out. You don't need to be in this environment. There's a miracle getting ready to take place, and I'm not going to let you be a part of it. In fact, they can't, it, the miracle is going to struggle to happen if they're a part of it. So he kicks them out. And look at this, it says, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and he went in where the child was. In other words, he brought people into the environment where he wanted to produce the miracle who had faith in his ability to produce the miracle. Right. Verse 31. he took her by the hand, the little girl, and he said to her, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. I love that. I love that it gives us that little piece of information. Jesus wants to minister to kids. It says at this, they were completely astonished. Who was astonished? Everybody. (laughs) Even the people who had faith, I think, were astonished. This little girl was brought back to life. Amazing. I love this story. But I want you to notice something in this story. Before Jesus did the miracle, he put the people out of the room that didn't have faith in the miracle. See, faith is a big deal when it comes to God. The Bible says this in Hebrews 11. It says the fundamental fact of existence, that's a strong statement right there, is that this trust in God, this faith, that's what faith is, it's trust in God, is the firm foundation under everything that that makes life worth living. I want you to know this morning, faith is a big deal. It's essential. In fact, it goes on to say in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you've been at New Song Church before, you've heard me say that what pleases God is giving you the kingdom, which means bringing heaven to earth, which means blessing you. So without faith, it's impossible for God to bless you the way he wants to bless you and take care of you the way he wants to bless you. Listen, faith is a big deal. And another thing that we see in Scripture is the atmosphere of faith it, it, an atmosphere of faith can either release or restrain God's ability to move in your life. In fact, in the next chapter, then the very next chapter, Mark chapter 6, Jesus goes to his hometown. And some of you know what happens. He shows up in his hometown in an environment where people think they know him, think they've got it all figured out, they've grown up around him, they have a perception of what he can and can't do. And Jesus shows up at this environment, and it says in Mark 6, 5, he could do no mighty work there. Everywhere else Jesus went, mighty works were taking place. He just brought a little girl back from the dead one chapter earlier. And now he's he's restrained in his ability to do ministry. In fact, it says in the Amplified Version, Mark 6, 5, he was not able to do any mighty work. It wasn't that he showed up there and he was like, oh, you guys don't believe in me? Fine, I'm not going to do anything. No, he still wanted to do something even though they didn't believe. But he couldn't because they didn't have faith. And so what did he do in Mark 5? We see when he comes in an atmosphere where he wants to do a miracle and there's people without faith, he kicked them out of the room. My question to you is, do you have some relationships in your life where you've allowed some people close to the now miracles of your life and their lack of faith is affecting your faith and keeping you from the now miracle God wants to do? And if so, you need to put them out. Now, I'm not saying you gotta be mean to them, but there may be some people in your life, you don't need to give them access to certain areas of your life where you need God to show up in a powerful way because their, their little words of doubt, their perception of who you are and who God is and what God can do because they're a little familiar with you, they know your past and they want to remind you of it, and they give you their little looks of doubt when you talk about stuff. Maybe that's affecting your ability to believe in Jesus. And so what's Jesus saying to you? I believe he's saying to you, do not be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid to put them out. Don't be afraid to not give them access to that anymore. Just believe in me, follow me, because I've got some stuff for you now, and I've got some stuff in your future that's going to be amazing. Listen, your relationships are either going to be liabilities or assets. Liabilities take from you, assets give to you. And God wants you to have relationships that build you up, that sharpen you, that strengthen you. That's what you see in Scripture. My question is, is that what you have? And if not, there may be some people that you need to put out. Now, don't, don't be mean. I'm not telling you to be mean. Don't write me a letter and say, I'll put them out and they hate me now because I told them that they suck and get out of my life. <laughs> don't do that. But you know what? They might suck. They might be sucking the faith out of you. They might be sucking the promises of God out of you and your ability to believe God can move in them. I'm preaching good this morning. It's glad, good to be back, man. This is fun. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company, corrupts good character if you got some faith blockers in your life some relationships that are maybe keeping you from believing in faith in the miracle of God then maybe you need to put them out of that area of your life where you know God wants to move here's the third thing we've talked about we've talked about the past we've talked about the present let's talk about the future a little bit how do we how do we see the now wins of God taking place in our future well here's what you got to do number three is you got to win the now See, my message today is not really just about, hey, don't even think about the future. It's really about recognizing that what happens today affects the future. Like, if you're going to experience the future that God has for you in the later, you've got to recognize what you're doing now is impactful to that. There's, there's a story in Mark chapter 10. A young man, he's, he's called the rich young ruler, comes to Jesus, and he wants to know how to secure his future. He says this, it says, a, a young man came and, and knelt in the dust of the road in front of Jesus. Good teacher, what must I do to gain life in the world to come? So he's saying, Jesus, what do I need to do to secure my future with you? Jesus says in verse 19, you know the commandments of Moses. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not slander, do not defraud, and honor your father and mother. Now, I, I would argue that the next statement that we read here would, would say that this guy knew he was doing all that and knew there was something missing. Because what he goes on to say is this. He says, yes, teacher, I've done all these things since I was a child. So, so why is he coming to Jesus then? Because he knows, I think he knows there's an area of his life that's controlling him that he hasn't really surrendered like he should that's keeping him. And I think he's maybe hoping that Jesus won't mention it. <laughs> but Jesus hits the nail on the head. Verse 21, then Jesus looking at the young man saw that he was sincere and responded out of his love for him. Notice how he responds, it's out of love. So the response he's about to receive, even if it sounds hard, this is a loving response and it's Jesus who is God, so his love is perfect. Look at what he says, son, there's still one thing you have not done. And I think even in that you see, he's saying, hey, you know what you're supposed to do. He says, go now, everybody say now. He says, sell everything you have, give the proceeds to the poor so that there you will have treasure in heaven. After that, look at this. Come, follow me. He, he was invited to be a disciple. This is the, the 13th dude invited to be a disciple when Jesus was on earth. That's, that's amazing. But look at verse 22. It's so sad. The young man went away sick at heart at these words because he was very wealthy and you probably heard people teach this before about your money and your finances and 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 I do believe it's talking about that but I really believe that what we want to see in this verse is really it's about anything that can stand in the way of your movement and your willingness and your ability to take the next step that God's asking you to do and what what Jesus is inviting him to do is let go of this thing that really has a hold of him so that he can grab a hold of the next thing God has for him. Because God has something amazing for him. He wants, to be, he wants him to be a part, one of his disciples, who's a part of changing the history of the world. And yet, we don't even know his name. Because he wasn't willing to let go of this thing that he had that really had him. And he missed out on the call of God. See, what you do today affects what you experience tomorrow. God had something amazing for him to experience, but he missed out on it. And so what I want you to see is if you're so focused on the next thing that it causes you to miss the now thing, then you'll never have the later things. If you're you're so focused, like this guy, his, his mistake wasn't that he was thinking about his future. His mistake was in not recognizing that God was at work in his future in the now and his obedience in the now is what was going to lead him to the future God was calling him to. You guys tracking with me this morning? What you do today uh, affects what you'll experience tomorrow. And what this guy saw was Jesus wants to take something from me. And I think that we can find ourselves there sometimes. Sometimes when Jesus comes to us with these now respons- these now requests, instead of seeing them as loving requests, where God wants to give us more, we see them as Jesus wanting to take something from us. But but here's the nature of the kingdom of God, okay? Here's how God works. In the kingdom of God, especially since Jesus Christ has died on the cross, all crosses are temporary. Any area that God asks you to die in, it's just temporary. And, and, And every death in Christ is followed by a glorious resurrection through Christ. So if God asks you to die to something, to sacrifice something, to lay something down. It's, it's only temporary. And there's a glorious resurrection coming. Amen. As you plant whatever seed he's asking you to plant into the ground, there's gonna be a death, but then there's gonna be fruit that's produced. And the fruit is so much greater than the thing we're holding onto. This is good preaching this morning. And, and so my question to you is, what's God asking you to do in the now that could be withholding you from your future because you won't obey it? Because you're saying no to the now asks of God because you don't see them as love. Maybe God's asking you to make a change in your life, to do something different. Maybe God's asking you to repent for something you've done in the past, to go to somebody in your life that you've wronged, and you know you've wronged them, you know you've done some things wrong, and, you, and you've kind of sensed that you need to do something about this, you, you recognize the wrong that you've done, but you've also kind of thought, well, that's kind of over with, like why go back and revisit that? Well, Why is if God's telling you to do it, you need to do it. Because by holding on to it right now and not releasing it, see, when you're holding on to this, you can't grab a hold of the next thing. Does that make sense? Maybe for you, you need to forgive somebody. Someone who's hurt you, wronged you, and you've been holding on to this unforgiveness against them. And God's saying, hey, I want you to let that go, and I want you to let it go now. Because I've got some things for you, but you're not going to experience that if if you keep holding on to this. Maybe God's been talking to you for a while about getting plugged in here at the church, getting, you know, in a group or getting on a serve team. And you've got a lot of excuses as to why now is not the time. Yeah, it's just not a good time. It's not a good season for me. Maybe later on down the road. But what if, what if there's stuff God wants to do right now that, that He can't do because you won't obey Him in His now ask? Maybe God's asking you. We've got this heart for the house campaign going on and God's talking to you and saying hey I want you to give and I want you to give extravagantly and you find yourself going well you know I I don't even have kids in children's ministry and that's where some of that money's going and and I you know right now it's not a good time there's there's stuff going on in the world right now and I just I want to get this for my family for Christmas or whatever it may be I I don't know I've got excuses as to why now is not the best time but what if your your resistance to God is and, and the ask that he has for you is keeping you from what he has for you now and later on down the road. And, and the reason why, listen, I, I really don't have any problem coming to our church and asking you to give because I understand how God works. Anything you die to is gloriously resurrected. And I've seen it take place over and over and over again in my life. I've seen when I was willing to repent that God would do something incredible in my life And restore relationships. When I was willing to forgive other people, that God would move me ahead into new areas of life He called me to. When I was willing to serve in areas where I saw a need, I saw that something needed to be done, and I was willing to jump in there and do it. I saw how God would reward me for that and bless me and move me ahead. I've seen over and over again that when I would give and give extravagantly and give whatever God's asking me to give, that He's always restored it back and resurrected something far greater. And so it's not hard for me to get up here and say, hey, let's all do this because I'm not asking you to give up anything. God has something better for you. And so church, here, here's what I want you to see today. There, there's a now blessing of God. God is not a, a best for last God. He is a God of the now. And he wants to do work in your life now. But, but you play a part in that. Your obedience plays a part in and what you experience in the future and in the days ahead. So don't put off till tomorrow what God wants to do in your life today. You need to understand your past, your present, and your future. Understand the role of your past. You can linger on the lessons of the past, but don't fixate on those failures. Don't stay stuck there. It'll keep you from what God wants to move you ahead in. If you've got some people in your life that are, are lacking faith, remove those faith blockers. Put them out of the room. And then lastly, win the now. Now. What's God asking you to do now? Whatever he's asking you to do, do it in faith, knowing that any every cross is temporary and everything you give up for God is gloriously resurrected when you die to it. Can I get an amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.